Welcome to This Wildlife Podcast, a conservation podcast that brings you up to date with frontline conservation efforts from across the world. We talk with experts who have dedicated their lives to protect our beautiful planet. From wildlife vets to bush pilots to rangers leading anti-poaching operations and those working undercover to dismantle the illegal wildlife trade. We are This Wildlife Podcast and we're here to bring the wild to you. Welcome to This Wildlife Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Amy Turner, and this week I'm so excited to welcome two inspirational individuals onto the podcast. Hayley Versace and Stephen Amos from the Conflict Islands Conservation Initiative, or CICI for short, are joining us. Now, their goal is to conserve and protect the biodiversity of the habitats and species of the Coral Sea, specifically the Conflict Islands Mission Blue Hope Spot in Milne Bay, Papua New Guinea. The area not only makes up a critical part of the world-renowned Coral Triangle, but is also a very important turtle nesting site, and today we will hopefully be delving into their conservation work. So let's introduce our guests a little more. So Hayley is the on-site manager and project coordinator for CICI. She's involved with CICI right from the start and is a marine biologist, a zoologist, passionate photographer, videographer and dive instructor. Hayley works behind the scenes forging partnerships, designing programmes and developing community engagement programmes for CICI and I can't wait to hear from her. And Stephen is CICI's head community conservation ranger. He has worked for the organisation since it started the turtle monitoring programme. Stephen has a passion for conservation and a natural leadership quality and really is a vital part of the team. Stephen cares for the baby turtles as he would his own family and I must say it's a real joy to have him with us today. So before we start and kick off the episode, Stephen and Hayley, thank you so much for taking the time out today to talk on the podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Perhaps we could hear about your role um, at CICI, how how long you've worked there and where you grew up. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having us. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll start. I'm Hayley and um, yeah, I grew up on the east coast of New, so- New South Wales in Australia. Um, and I guess that's where my passion for marine life came from, uh, just always being around the ocean and then yeah traveled around the world as a dive instructor and photographer for many years and eventually in 2016 landing in Papua New Guinea where we started CICI. Um, Back in the day it was we didn't know that it would turn into this magnificent expanding conservation movement I guess for Papua New Guinea but um, it was just us trying to do what we could for the turtles here at the time with a very small team of rangers which Stephen was a part of. I mean the breadth of conservation activities and it is just enormous and the impact is so clear it is really awesome to see and so Stephen over to you. Thanks for having us this afternoon uh, yeah my name is Stephen uh, I'm the local to these uh, islands I grew up in the village you are 
Papua New Guinean or Million Bay. So yeah, I spent a lot of time in the village, coastal areas where I grew up, but I became to through my hard work. And now I'm sitting in front and sharing with you. Oh, and it's great to have you here. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about your work as a turtle ranger in a little bit. So, so Hayley, coming to you again, um, please could you talk us through um, the organisation's mission? Yeah, so we're based in the Coral Triangle, which is one of the most biodiverse places in the world. We've got more species here on our coral reefs than um, most coral reefs in the, in the rest of the world. We were nominated as a Sylvia Earle Mission Blue Hope Spot, which is a, is a place of significant biodiversity back in 2017. So it's all about protecting what we have here, the reefs, the, the birds, the trees, the land, because the, the, everything's interconnected. Um, it's about protecting the whole sort of ecosystem and the bio networks that, that flourish here and and make the islands as productive and as healthy as they are. So that's basically CICI's mission is just to protect what we have, um, maintain what we have and make sure we we have some things and and protect things for the future. We won't be around to see the the results of our hard work because it takes so long for the turtles to come back. From the little hatchlings that we're releasing now, it'll be 30 years before they come back again. And even then, their survival rate is less than one in 1,000 hatchlings that will survive to be a, a breeding adult. And you mentioned there that you won't be alive to see the effects of your work. Please could you explain why it takes so long to see the effects? And please could you talk us through the main threats to turtles in Papua New Guinea? So in, in a lot of places where there's been active conservation for a long period of time, we're actually seeing an increase in turtle population numbers, which is really positive. So uh, the Great Barrier Reef in, in Bundaberg, the Southern Great Barrier Reef, they're, they're actually increasing populations of turtles. But in areas as remote as what we are here in Papua New Guinea, there hasn't been that long-term protection in place. So the turtle's life cycle is, is very long uh, and it takes a long time for the conservation actions to have uh, lasting effects. And those conservation actions have to uh, stay, remain in place for a long time for them to be effective. So the the main threats are, are basically from climate change. Uh, there's a lot, basically at every single stage of a turtle's life, they are affected by climate change, from them developing as an embryo in the egg uh, through till plastic pollution in the sand, it's not climate change, but it's another threat. The decrease of food on the reefs because of the increasing temperatures and the acidification of the oceans. There's other threats that are all from humans. Um, So here in Papua New Guinea, it's still legal for them to harvest turtles and take them to eat as well as the eggs. And then there's things like bycatch, ghost nets that all affect parts of the, the turtles' lives. So they're extremely threatened, um, and I don't know how they've lasted as long as they have, but they're ancient mariners, and uh, I'm sure w- with people like Stephen carrying on this work, they'll be around for a long time, I'm sure. And what are the main species of turtle that you're working with? So really exciting is this year we've actually had a few sightings of the Olive Ridley turtle, which um, isn't 
a very common turtle here in Papua New Guinea. Uh, and it's only this year that we've seen a few, they weren't nesting, but we've seen them in the ocean. Um, but regularly nesting on our beaches here at the Conflict Islands, we have the green sea turtle, which is an, an endangered species, and then the hawksbill sea turtle, which is actually classified as a critically endangered turtle. Um, and their main threats is for poaching for their shell um, and jewellery trade and export to overseas markets. And Stephen, just before we turn to you, Haley, please could you talk us through the range of projects um, that the organisation has launched? So um, before COVID times, we we were a thriving volunteerism um, sort of model for our, our conservation work here. And in that time, we had programs which focused on shark and ray species diversity and abundance. We've got endangered many species of endangered sharks here and thriving populations of them. We also do manta ray work, so identifying populations, their habitat use and their feeding areas and aggregation times. We're also trying to identify their breeding patterns and the breeding timings of the animals out here. So we've got the, both of the species of manta rays. Um, there's an oceanic species, which can get up to six metres in wingspan. And then there's the reef manta, which gets up to about four metres. Um, so we've got those and we're, we're taking photographs of their bellies to try and identify the individuals. They've got their, their thumbprints on their bellies so we can identify the each manta ray, I guess. And then we were also about to launch our coral reef and fish study program as well, where we go out and um, measure the abundance, the health, the diversity and uh, the the population structures of the coral reefs around the conflict islands as well so and in all behind all those programs we do plastic and marine debris cleanups and we've removed something like 12,000 tons of marine debris from the islands since um, the beginning of the program so uh, that's that's since 2016 amazing work but it does kind of make me wonder how on earth have we got to a point where there is so many tons of plastic on the beach it's just crazy yeah it's it's a struggle to see on the beaches because there's so much microplastic now and it's affecting all of the beaches and it's affecting the people and the communities as well because the fish are eating it and then the humans are eating it and it's all getting transferred through the the food chain and it even affects the turtles um, with their nest incubation temperature. The higher concentration of plastic in the sand increases the temperature of the eggs as they incubate. So that's another <laughs> another terrible thing that's happening to the turtles. What a set of threats. And the world owes both of you um, a huge amount for dedicating your lives to protecting the turtles, the reefs and all of the other related species. So Stephen, coming to you, you are a turtle ranger. Please could you talk to us about what you do on a typical day? Yeah, being a ranger and experiencing through these four years, I guess. Lots of work, plenty of work, and you need to be, you know, firm and strong to do all this. Mostly, mainly when the uh, that nesting season, that's where we have plenty of jobs, like if as Haley mentioned, when we started off uh, with our conservation, we have few rangers, so rangers 
always get tired, really tired after the day. Yeah, so during night time, we do patrols. During daytime, we work in the nursery looking after the hatchlings, feeding them and doing all sorts of work. And also when we're having volunteer trips, we have lots of work to do also by looking after the volunteers, taking care of them, making sure that they are safe, out, getting on the boat, getting off the boat, walking through the tracks, lots of work to do, yeah. But yeah, I love my job so much, being a ranger, whether all those jobs or whatever, whatever, but just thinking about the future in order for us to get something for the future or save something for the future. It took me right here till now. I'm sitting with Hayley in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned patrols. What are you doing on on your patrols and what is the reason um, for for these patrols? So uh, in the area we live in here, we have lots of poaching, lots of predations such as goannas and all those. So patrols, we do patrols. Sometimes we do scare the poachers. But the main uh, job we do during patrols is doing relocation. So where it is is safer in here. So we relocate the eggs back to the island where we live on. So that's where they are safer. My goodness me. So you're moving the eggs to a safer place. That does sound like quite the task. Um, Sounds very delicate, in fact. (laughs) Yes. Um, Sometimes it's a bit uh, hard for us. You know, it depends on the weather. Sometimes the weather is rough. When it's calm, it's easy for us to transfer back to the island. Also, when the weather is rough, we try our best to be careful with the eggs, bringing them back on the island. And I've seen these beautiful photos of baby turtles scussing down the beach. Um, I'm kind of interested how much involvement you have in that process. Are you allowed to help them out or do you just leave them be? So uh, after the hatchling, before they uh, emerge to the surface, we have to give a hand just to uh, make a bit of uh, space or just to clear a bit of sand for them to start uh, coming up to the surface. So yeah, we do help them. And how many baby turtles would typically hatch from a nest? You know, could you give us an idea of the scale of these nests? So for the green turtles, the green turtles laid uh, 80 to 120 eggs in a box. And for the hawksbills, 100 to 200 eggs because the hawksbill eggs are much more smaller than the hawksbill. And can you help them down? Can you just place them in the sea once they've hatched? So the cycle is, uh, the life cycle for the turtle is uh, they image themselves and then crawl down themselves into the sea. So what we do, because we have our hatcheries in here, so we collect all the hatchlings, put them in the tubs and take them down to the beach. And then we have to leave them there, put them on the sand so they can crawl down themselves, do the cycle themselves. There's lots of uh, clues that the scientists believe, uh, studied about like by smelling the sand or feeling everything or the while they are crawling down or the current or whatever in order for them to direct that to direct them back to where they are born so we have, we try our best to do the uh, natural life cycle with them and Stephen, i must ask you know what's the worst part or most challenging part of your job so yeah the no i don't have really uh 
like the west part of it but uh we have uh so many islands here with lots of mos- mosquitoes so and those islands where most of the turtles were uh coming up and nesting on that island so no choice we have to yeah we have to go go for it whether mosquitoes or what or sometimes when the weather is too rough raining but that's part of our job so we have to do the way the other uh what is like when we first started it off we come across poachers and you know we sometimes they are so aggressive with us so it's another challenging job for for us yeah so you mentioned the mosquitoes the poachers it's not all plain sailing but what is the best side of your job the best side of the job we're doing here like it's exciting and when we were having volunteers before the covid uh, strike so we learn from the volunteers like we learn some new things and also they learn from us so it's yeah we do share ideas work together with them and also yeah the good side of it is from the step from uh, one step to the other in learning like new things that we don't uh, experience in our lives back at home so that's best part, part of it in this job so yeah that's why we have, i love my job very much because learning lots of things <laughs> and Stephen or Haley, you know what's what's the team size um how, how many ranges do you have so this year we we with through our partnerships with um sea shepherd and uh piano cruises we were able to get enough funding and the British High Commission in Papua New Guinea, we were able to increase our funding to be able to increase our education and awareness and training of new rangers. So we were able to bring in, ad- in an additional nine rangers, but we lost um, two of our long-term rangers because they didn't um, they didn't want to come back this season. So in the end, we ended up with 14, 15, 15, 15. 15. <laughs> rangers for this <laughs> and I think that's led that led to our massive success of being able to relocate so many nests and eggs this season to produce. As of today, we've we've released um, fifty two thousand eight hundred and forty two hatchlings into the wild. Fifty two thousand hatchlings. That's absolutely yeah. incredible. What a that's yeah. so many <laughs> turtles. And but because the survival rate is so low. It, that translates only into 52 adults returning here in 30 years' time. So even though it sounds like a massive number, mm. the actual survival and yeah, impact of all those hatchlings is, is actually very few. But hopefully m- with our helping hands and um, Stephen's dedication <laughs> and working through the nights uh, every night for a six-month season, um, we'll, we'll have a few extra coming back every year. And when exactly is the turtle nesting season? From October to March. <laughs> Normally. No. But now we're in May, May and we're still having babies. We've got five nests, five nests left um, from this season. So we've actually got one nest that's ready to hatch mm, out this afternoon. <laughs> no way. It sounds like your work is still ongoing. Oh, my gosh. And they're going to hatch this afternoon. That's absolutely amazing. Oh, I wish I could be there. 
And so Hayley and Stephen, we always finish the podcast with how we can help and more specifically, how can we help remotely? Is there anything that we can do? So obviously in terms of um, specifically the turtles, it just think about what you're consuming on a daily basis um, in regards to plastic and pollution and where, where that's going. There is no away. So um, just be responsible when it comes to to your purchasing and, and think about um, the end product of what it's going to mean for the environment in total because um, it doesn't just affect the animals. It's actually impacting the lives of the people out here as well. And it's that's something that I don't think a lot of people connect the dots with, that it comes all the way back to the humans that are trying to live off the reefs and, and the fish and whatever else out here. And in terms of donations to help you guys with the turtle conservation, how is the best way that we can do that? Yeah, so we've got a, a link um, on our website where you can sponsor a ranger like Stephen for the whole season or for just one month of the season um, and to help us get more rangers on board and, and increase our outreach and awareness um, and give more employment opportunities because there is really not much else available for these remote communities. Um, a lot of them don't even have access to electricity or fresh running water. So it's being able to give more employment, sponsoring a ranger, sponsoring a turtle, or even giving a gift of a hatchling to a, <laughs> um, a, a loved one is a really nice, nice idea. Hayley and Stephen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you today, hearing about your work in the Coral Triangle, conserving the turtles for future generations. Your work is absolutely incredible. And I think on behalf of all of our listeners, I would just like to say thank you for for your endless dedication. It's been a total joy and best of luck in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. listened to this wildlife podcast if you'd like to find out more about our work please do check us out on thiswildlifepodcast.org and you can find that link alongside our social media links in the podcast description we want these vital conservation messages shed far and wide so if you fancy it leave us a review on apple podcasts and please do subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on It's a pleasure to have you with us on this journey. And remember, we're here to bring the wild to you.